You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Lloyd, uh, your team every day, the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. As our guest Pete Smith fumbles a plate in the background. Uh, guys, whatever the hands free, whether you're in the car, whether you're home, play Locked On Browns. They'll run you up the latest episode of the Locked On Browns podcast, guys. Always appreciate any avenue in which you're listening to. Um, well, guys, we noon hit. We hit the the you know the legalized tampering period. Um, Pete's going to man Twitter and see if we can maybe break something here and he will get to talk about something Browns here. Right now, and as a lot of people speculated, John Dorsey was going to sit back, was going to play his cards, kind of let the field come to him. Um, anybody who's a little nervous to this point, um, if you go through these guys who have signed to this point, there wasn't a lot of these guys that were surefire slam dunks. Oh, wow, really would have liked to have that guy. You know, Malik Jackson at $10 million a year, but yeah, it's a three-year deal. You know, maybe could have been something. Um, you know, uh, you know, Pete from NFL Spin Zone as always is here. Uh, Pete, I guess if we're going to go with this, and this was your list, and this name has started to get hot here, and especially with Fells being released. Um, and and I, you know, I guess we'll start here in a hole. Uh, Detroit with a hell of a day. Uh, whether it was starting the morning off with Amendola, Justin Coleman, nickel corner, got the big dog and Flowers at D end. You close it out with a tight end of Jesse James. Um. Interesting day for Detroit. I mean, you know, here's a team, you know, obviously always, you know, a middle of the pack, if lower of the pack franchise, went out and kind of planted a flag today and went out and acquired some serious talent. Uh, I guess. I mean, I on guess. the one hand, well, it's it's that uh, Trey Flowers is a fantastic football player. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, he may end up being the best dollar for dollar signing today out of anyone but it also has and if that, you listen you know, to Je- and if you listen to Jeff Risden who said all they needed was a DN he he really thought this D- he really thought that defensive line was pretty damn solid yeah I mean they, they have they have some really solid defensive tackles uh you know at the same time they you know Trey Flowers is a great player it also reeked of hey I I know these guys from my Patriots days so they signed Amendola and Trey Flowers um I mean, the defense has to be better. Uh, I don't think there's any getting around that. They needed, they need, arguably two more corners. They got at least one uh, to go with Darius Slay. I mean, they they certainly have to feel good about themselves in that respect. And then Jesse James, you know, the immediate reaction to all these moves was, oh, the Lions may may take you know T.J. Hawkinson at eight, and I suppose that's still theoretically possible, but. Jesse James certainly eliminates that as a need, uh, so they're more open. I, you know, the thing for me is I, I still put them on a defensive end. I don't think this stops them from drafting another one at all. They 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 had none. Uh, now they have one good one uh, who is a guy who can move around the defensive line. He's a guy who can move up and down. So they need more guys who can get after the quarterback. So at least for me right now, I, I still have them adding a pass rusher, but. Um, they are better, uh, but I don't know if this changes them from a you know fourth place NFC North team to a second place. I think they're still sitting in third. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, look, you know, time will tell. Uh, probably still going to need some offensive line help. Um, you know, that wide receiver core. Uh, you know. I'm not sure about the wide receiving core. I'm not sure how much you're really going to get out of Danny Amendola. 
But, you know, Detroit, you know, weird to see them as, as big players in the first day of free agency and tossing around a ton of cash. Um, Pete, this was, <laughs> this was a strange one here. Uh, Quan Alexander, uh, coming off a torn ACL and, you know, four years, I believe it's four years, $54 million. And for a guy like CJ Mosley, who hasn't signed yet, his day just got better today by not even signing a contract. Yeah. I mean, Quan Alexander is very young. He's still only 24. Uh, he's very athletic and at times he's been super productive. Uh, he's, but he's, you know, those things certainly can make the case for a substantial contract. The issue is he's also very inconsistent, and then he's coming off that knee. And uh, he's he's only played a full season once out of four years, so it's not like it's it's a one-time thing. He's been dinged up and injured before. So justifying that contract, and it's important to note that you know the you know the deals that come out today, at least in terms of what's being advertised, are almost always from the side of the agent. So they're always going to give you the very nice-looking numbers. How this actually ultimately breaks down and what he's a player is actually going to get versus what you know that 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 fluff money that's not really there that they're probably never going to see of course. remains to be seen. But nevertheless, I mean that's a hell of a lot of money for a guy. You know that I don't think is shown enough to really be that stud. I, I certainly think Joe Schobert is better than Quan Alexander. Um, so, you know, this is what happens when you get into free agency, you end up making the ridiculous overpays to ensure you get the guy you wanted. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if it happens so quickly, I mean, you know, it's, it was one team was in and one team was extremely high and, you know, you, you tug a little bit and get a little bit more and it goes off in that nature. But, uh, Quan Alexander going away from Tampa Bay, uh, to, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, here was a funny name, Pete. Uh, we talked a couple months ago. And it still might have been during the regular season. And uh, Quincy Inunua had signed an extension with the New York Jets. And I had mentioned, hey, could have potentially been the best free agent on the market. And I had told the story that uh, an agent contacted me and said, man, you're disrespecting my boy. And, you know, went and did a little homework. And it was, well, Jamison Crowder, wow. You know, you know, would, you know great route runner. What do we like for Baker? We like great route runners with Baker Mayfield. And funny thing now is Jamison Crowder is going to go be a running mate in New York with Quincy Inunua and with Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold, you know, gets himself another weapon. Yeah, and Jamison Crowder is a very nice yards-after-the-catch type receiver. He plays bigger than his size. The issue there is just, you know, are you going to get a full season out of him? He is a really, really nice player, and when he's on the field, he gives you a lot of production and a lot of efficiency, but that that's always the issue is, is, you know, you get 12 games as opposed to 16. Uh, but, you know, I expect in some ways this is adding some, in addition to just talent, it's also adding some pro- professionalism uh, with the Jets. And, Robbie Anderson could use it. Right. That, that you know, I think this has in part to do with this signing, and it's directly at Robbie Anderson, who's, I believe, under a second-round tender, so he's probably going to be back for, you know, that one year, three point one one million dollars, or whatever it is for them, um, that you know, in, in a lot of ways, this isn't just a way to control him. It's really trying to figure out if he can keep it under control uh, because they love the talent he has, but he has so many issues that you don't know if you can trust him. And, and I think Jamison Crowder is part of that. And then those two and still a in the in the fold is it certainly a better set of weapons 
for uh, a guy like Sam Darnold, but you know they they do need a lot more help. Um, oh, here's a fun one. I've just been referred to as the Paul D. Podesta burner account, so I'll take that one. Um, and this would be in reference to, look, C.J. Mosley, uh, you're going to be talking guys now 14, 15, 16 million dollars. Um, C.J. Mosley's a hell of a football player. Um, but are you going to tell me the financial impact of him, and this would mean Joe Schobert's here for one more year and Joe Schobert's gone, are you going to tell me for $16 million C.J. Mosley is that much better of a player than Joe Schobert? Guys, I don't know if I see that one. And do you want to get tied into a heavy contract with a guy like that? And look, C.J. Mosley has a great track record, but what if he does get injured? And now you got $16 million on the freaking pine. So you're still running with Joe Schobert, hoping Christian Kirksey's healthy. And oh my God, I mean, you put put C.J. Mosley and Christian Kirksey with Joe Schobert in the same linebacking crew. That's one of the most expensive linebacking crews in the league, Pete. Um, C.J. Mosley is a fantastic football player. And well, if he what? comes here, the Purple Dread's got to go. The Purple Dread's got to get cut right out of that head. But okay. uh, The problem is, I think... Joe Schobert is a better fit for where the Browns are going than C.J. Mosley is. Um, Joe Schobert, he gets a lot of criticism for missed tackles. That's fair. He gets criticized for not being very good at run defense, which, weirdly enough, he was very good at it in 2017. He didn't change, so we may want to hold off on that one. But he's fantastic in pass coverage. And for a team like the Browns, who have Baker Mayfield, who have Nick Chubb, who have these weapons, you know, they hopefully find other than, you know, Najoku and, and, and some of these things. If you can, you know, if you're the Browns, you plan to play with a lead. And if you plan to play with a league, you are planning to face a lot of passing situations. C.J. Mosley is a fantastic run stopper. He's not nearly as good as Schobert is in the passing game in terms of coverage. Mosley can do certain things. He can, but I, I think for the Browns, Schobert's a better player, and he's going to cost way less because if you're smart, you're the Browns. Gonna let it go, get anywhere near here as far as letting him get out to the market like this. I cannot help but think. That some of this, and and Bradley Roby is another one that comes up, where the Browns are being thrown in, and I think it's in part because teams, people are reporting this or whatever, is they see the Browns with all this cap room. Of course the Browns are interested in it. Inflate it, inflate it, baby. And and like every super free agent at a position that looks like it could be some need. So Tyrell Tyrell Williams Williams could be another one, absolutely. Tyrell Williams, Bradley Roby, C.J. Mosley, you know, all our teams are players where the Browns are being thrown in. And it's even funnier that it's even funnier though because the Browns weren't really connected. Look, Tyrell Williams, that talk's been there. Roby Mosley, that talk only picked up any amount of steam when today. So I'm skeptical of that, but you know, that doesn't. You know that doesn't mean it, it couldn't happen, but but at the same time, you know, and and, and people well, first, if your argument is it's not your money, stop. Like, the, well, and the other thing though was we've always had this stance. 
since we started, since I started this podcast well over a year and a half ago, since you've become a, a bigger part and and you know, my my sidekick when we do day to day talk of the Browns, we've always been this way. It's not whether it's your money or not. You don't have to spend it like a drunken sailor. And you want to know what? You don't want to turn around a year and a half later and have to say goodbye to key pieces because you spent like a freaking drunken idiot. Right. But if you're just if you if you take the names off the guys and you're just saying, I want to build a defense, where am I going to put my money? Linebackers should be dead last on that. Short of a old school box strong safety, which are increasingly going away. Certainly, Jabril Peppers is not that. Um, linebackers last, and if you're gonna have, if you're gonna put money into it, put it into one guy. You know, we we did this with Chris Kirksey and Jamie Cons, and part of the reason you were, you were sold on it with Jamie Cons is the idea was he was going to be more than just a linebacker. Here we are, and now. Jamie Collins. You is gone. never saw Jamie Collins do the things for the Cleveland Browns that he did in New England for Bill Belichick. You never saw him one on one on the outside with a Kobe Fleener ever. Right. So, in the end, we're, we're, we're Jamie Collins is gone, and people are already trying to get rid of Chris Kirksey, and we're not satisfied with the return on the investment. So. You know the idea that you're going to put a more cap into C.J. Mosley, even if he's a great player, and Joe Schobert, even if he's a great player, you have to pay guys like Larry Ogunjobi this coming year. You're going to be paying guys like Miles Garrett soon enough. You're going to want to pay Denzel Ward at some point. Like those guys are more valuable overall than linebackers. And you know you you can tell me that that this is an opportunity for the Browns to get better. It is. It's just very very short sighted. So we shall see. I'm very dubious. This is real interest. Uh, you know, and somebody will get a very, very good player out of CJ Mosley. Will they ever get the, the, the bang for the buck? I have a hard time seeing it. And, and ultimately, I still don't rule out the possibility that somebody's just negotiating the contract for the Ravens. And, and, and you look at it this way. And look, if Suggs is now gone and Well is now gone, those moves you can almost kind of understand. Um, you know, you moved on from a veteran safety. Terrell Suggs, there's been talks of years if he ever was going to step away from the Baltimore Ravens. He was going to go be to Arizona. He was going to go back to where he went to college, where he was comfortable. And, you know, it, it, first off, guys, who cares? Uh, you know, if the Ravens are getting worse and everybody else in the AFC North is getting worse, that's fine. Um, it could be more of let's just make sure if we're the Ravens before we commit Let's just, all right, you know, if if the number's 14 and maybe the Quan Alexander set the number for what Baltimore is going to have to pay, then maybe that's what it's going to be. Uh, and for me right now, I would still think, I agree with you, Pete, at the end of the day, I think he's going to end up back with the Baltimore Ravens. Guys, iTunes rating reviews. Um, we had a monster weekend here, uh, obviously with uh, the Zeitler initial trade talk here with me and Pete, and he would give you know, the who's, the why's, and the what's about that. Uh, you know, Stephen Thomas on yesterday, we broke down a bunch of stuff, uh, somehow ended up down a spi- uh, down a uh, downward spiral of power-ranking Golden Girls characters. But guys, uh, been great, great times. A lot of listeners, I appreciate it. Make sure you're uh, iTunes, uh, you know, drop a rating, drop a written review over there for me, guys. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Before we go into more of this here, Pete, and I guess you were a little late to the party on this one, and I apologize. But uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Bobby Hart, three years, $21 million. We got into this the other night, and this was one of those, you know, I, I, I remember it was 
we were oh that poor sap of a tackle in Cleveland and, and Cincinnati Bengals. Bobby Hart and two of us had a nice chuckle. Um, yeah, three years, twenty one million dollars to stay in Cincinnati. Uh, I, I, the only, I wish it was longer. I mean, lifetime, it, lifetime contract. But Hell, I, I, you know what? I will take part of the Browns cap and pay to keep him there as long as he's playing. Like you know, and we mentioned this the other day. Is you know the Browns trade for Olivier Vernon, the Steelers immediately trade their starting right tackle, the Bengals apparently extend theirs for three <laughs> years, who was god awful, uh, and you know, and and the Ravens have Zeus Jr. Make of that what you will. Um, you know, for all the people, and, and I, I I get the skepticism with Olivier Vernon, but this deal to me just gets better and better and better by the day because all of a sudden he's just it's especially with the fact they might re, they might be renegotiating his contract that's the even better part he's going to be a little cheaper well i'm hoping what i hope happens <clears throat> i'm assuming a it's going to be extended and b i'm hoping they move that money so he gets more of it this year yep. um so they can you know cheapen it as which it was goes. something which was something that was going to be on their shopping list anyway. So whatever's left of the guaranteed money, you know what? Let's knock out seventy five percent of that this year, and then we'll go from here. Right. So to me, the the you know that situation's getting better and better. And for all the frustration people may have, Olivia may know, be in trouble because when it comes to the bang, when it comes to Pittsburgh. Miles will be like, you know what, dude? Why don't you take the left side this week, man? Why don't you take it? <laughs> I could use a little bit of a lighter lighter workload this week. So. I know a lot of people are sitting there, you know, and I and I and I, I tried to point this out. The Browns don't have as much money as people think they do, um, while they're sitting on, you know, allegedly sitting on their hands. You know, in some ways, you can sort of look at this and go, "We just got Olivier Oliver today, even though it was a trade." While these other things are happening, and again, I, I just think, you know, it's a great situation for the Browns, uh, you know, in the division that it's anything but murderers row on that side of the line. Going for a guy who who had been playing against Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Jason Peters, you know that's not a bad setup for him. Um, yeah, uh, Pete, and here's one actually just dropped now. Um, Tyron Matthew uh, intends to sign a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, These, okay, well we're gonna get to the. I tell you, we'll just go with this as a whole. The safety position, and it seems. Kind of weird because it's a huge, huge market. Landon Collins got a stinking King's ransom. Now Tyron Mathieu, uh, I mean, you're talking here, geez, you know, that'd be about 13, 14 mil per. This is some big, big money. Well, I I remember, you know, when when the whole Landon Collins thing came out that they weren't going to keep him and and people were like suggesting the Browns should get him to be a linebacker. He'd probably be pretty cheap. So much for that. Um, I find the whole safety thing very strange, given this draft class um, is, is loaded at safety, uh, and and I think you know this certainly makes a big difference for the Chiefs' defense. But you know, I think they need another one. Honestly, I mean, they're stuck with Eric Berry, but I don't know if they're even you know if he's even going to be playing because he, he, he's played so little over the past season if they still don't get a guy like you know a Juan Thornhill or one of those but my thought is if all these teams want to pay crazy money for a safety and and one of these safeties whether it's a Juan Thornhill or a Chauncey Gardner Johnson or whatever his name is from Florida or one of those guys falls further than 
you know, they should, they should, I hope the Browns pounce and just get that third safety and find all the, uh, myriad of ways to put Jabril Peppers, Demarius Randall and insert safety on the field at the same time, rather than worry about another linebacker. And, and that's what you're seeing. Maybe that's what you're seeing with the money Landon Collins got. And trust me, Landon Collins does not want to be labeled as a linebacker, um, especially with the money he got here today. Um, and what did you see with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, when it was the biggest crucial point of the AFC Championship? What could they not do? Cover Gronk. Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew. Yeah, those are things he can do. And it's kind of funny that Houston, we gave him his offer, 9.5 per. He's going to go shop around a little bit. We're pretty confident. Yeah, I don't know how confident you are now. And Houston, you know, their secondary is kind of dwindling here a little bit. But, uh, you know, I mean, good I mean, good for Tyron. I, I kind of thought there was going to be a, a spot where he, um, you know, maybe it was going to be Tampa. Obviously, Bruce, you know, obviously, you know, another, you know, other than Houston, another possibility where you're not paying state income tax. But, uh, well, to Kansas City. And, and one thing with, you know, Tyron here, and why do guys make these choices? Um, what does he look at? You look at Patrick Mahomes. You look at that offense. What are you saying? I'm playing in the biggest games. I'm playing on the biggest stages. The Kansas City Chiefs are probably going to be in four or five primetime games next year. Minimal. Not to mention playoff games. Just another chance to enhance yourself, enhance your brand. Uh, I mean, really, really tough to say no to that situation, especially with this type of money coming through. Sure. I, I mean, Tyra Matthews has been very passionate. He wants to win. Um, but at the same time, he's also getting a whole lot of money, and he's obviously got risks in terms of his health. Um, his knees are in pretty bad shape. So I'll be curious to see how that, that contract structured. Um, but this was a risk. I mean, this is how he ended up in Houston on, on that one year deal in the first place is there were just some concerns. So, you know, you, you hope for, for his sake that, you know, he, that three years, 42 million that he's going to be on the field, that he's not, he's going to be in those big games, uh, in, in January and February that, that he can make the impact. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's consistently said he wants to win, and, and certainly the Chiefs give you that opportunity. Um, I guess we'll go next year. Uh, you know, finally the Nick Foles, I don't want to say finally, but Nick Foles, who just kind of been sticking around Philly, uh, kind of cleaning up after, you know, Carson Wentz, the injury the last two years. Um, you know, it, it's, it was a tough spot for Philly. I mean, I guess you kind of just do let him go. The guy rewards you when your backup quarterback can win you a Super Bowl, and then is there to bail your bacon out again the second year. Um, and you're still, look, Carson Wentz is your guy. You pray he's eventually going to be able to make it through a full 16-game season. Uh, but now he is the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so, you know, it, a lot of them, I think, was you know four years, 60 and change, 50 million guaranteed. There's no doubt about it. The Bordeaux's error is done. Nick Foles is now the man, the, you know, the chief in charge in Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, you know, and we talked about this, you know, all through the process is, you know, figuring out who would really be interested in this, you know, draft class. And Jacksonville was a team that stood out that would want a veteran because they're in win now mode. Could they also take a quarterback at seven? Sure. I, I think they'll be more inclined to try to get something else, whether they trade down, sit there, you know, they, maybe they take a tight end there or whatever. Uh, but I, you know, I think this is their all-in play um, with this. They're going to try to make a big push to see that that they they, they believe they still have a, a great defense, uh, and now they're not relying on 
uh, Blake Bortles to win them games. And uh, Nick Foles, when he hasn't been in Philadelphia, has been a question mark. But, you know, just the fact that he's not Blake Bortles is a substantial upgrade. And if, if that defense does get back to playing at a high level, he doesn't need to be a hero. He just needs to be good enough to let let them not lose, which is what Blake Bortles always had problems doing. He was a guy who would put you in position where you were going to lose. Uh, Nick Foles, at the very least, should be a guy who's not going to lose you games. He may and he may win may, may win you a couple. Um, you know the money they're ultimately going to pay him. I, you know, I wouldn't do it, but. You know, quarterbacks get paid for for whatever reason. It's also an indictment, maybe, on this quarterback draft class as well. Sure, uh, you know, at the very least, you know, this quarterback class is not out of the box ready. Uh, I, I think you know that's been pretty obvious going in, going to this point. I think this sort of underlines that that they're basically saying, "Look, we want to win now. We can't wait for a rookie who may need to sit a year." Uh, hopefully they learned from the Blake Bortles fiasco when they said they were going to sit him. Chad Henney was going to be their starter for 16 games, and I don't remember if he even made it to two. Um, it was either week two or three because Bortles made his debut. Uh, he made his debut here uh, against the Jets where I'm at. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't long. It was either week two, week three tops. And he wasn't ready. He just no, he wasn't. Was, I mean, you saw that at the you saw it at UCF. I mean, he was almost a glorified running back. So, you know, Blake Bortles may be bad on uh, on his own accord, but I, I do think Jacksonville bears some responsibility in how poorly they handled it. So hopefully this is them learning from that. And, and you know, they, they will probably draft a quarterback somewhere in this draft class. It's just a question of where, and, and now they don't feel like they have to at seven. No, not at all. Um, you know, we, we got one thing. We got definitely something Browns we still want to get to here as far as a position with them. Um, but Philadelphia today, um, and <laughs> Howie Roseman's doing a fantastic job there. I don't know how he keeps spinning it, um, but you know Malik Jackson. They were able to get him, and it was funny because some people put out and you know God bless Field Yates. You know sometimes you put out a mistake. What do you do? You run. Yeah, you blame something. No, nah, he went with the Homer Simpson gift, backing himself into the bush. Three years, ten million. And everybody kind of looked at it like, what? Three years, ten million? Was he negotiating with any other teams? Uh, you know, on the uh, you know quote on the papers on the surface, it's written up as a three-year, thirty million dealer. Um, then you get the late trade late in the day for Deshaun Jackson, which, you know, turns out to a diamond and nickel, if anything. Um, but Philadelphia, you know, still in it. And there is a B to this here. And this is a name you keep bringing up, Pete. But, you know, Philadelphia, you know, and this guy, this is what we're going to try to talk about here, guys, is you maximize that rookie contract. Until you got to pay that quarterback, you maximize that rookie quarterback contract. And this is what the Eagles are doing, trying to still keep that window alive, get themselves another playoff run. But you bring in two more, you bring back, well, you bring back one, but you bring in another solid vet here to the fold. Well, and then, you know, a lot of people are, 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 you know, praising their front office, Howie Roseman, because, and deservedly so, because he is really smartly playing the NFL system. They let uh, Nick Foles walk. Uh, He's going to sign in Jacksonville. And they're going to get a third-round compensatory pick. Yep. They they get Malik Jackson. They aren't going to lose anything because he was released. And because he was released, that does not affect your compensatory pick pool. So they get a defensive tackle who can help them. They're still in in, in good position to get a, at least the third round, you know, the third-round pick from Foles and whatever else they lose. 
those little things can make a big difference. And, and certainly the Eagles are, you know, have always, you know, been consistently smart. They avoid cap problems. They, they make choices. They, they, they don't have to do a lot of things. So they get better uh, with some creative work uh, around these rules. They get another receiver in Deshaun Jackson. Um, I don't know how much he has left, but certainly I think he's a good fit for what they want to do with Carson Wentz, who's you know I've got the ability to to stretch the field and those type of things. You know, I don't think anything the Eagles did was like super huge deal, but it's a lot of those little moves that just add up. And, and then you get to like, you know, you're looking at rosters around the league in July and stuff. And you're like, wow, how did they get so much talent? And it's these little things that allow them to do it. And if you're going to continue this route, and I'm going to tell you right now, guys, we're looking at the 2020 third round of the NFL draft being about 55 to 60 picks. And Pete, it's, it's almost just stupid how he plays chess while everybody else is playing checkers. But Bill Belichick, you know, loses two players today, and that's fine. You know, you've already got, you know, they believe they had a first-round pick in, you know, win from Georgia, who was going to step in to be their left tackle. Didn't work out, so you move on from Brown. Um, you know, obviously you move on from Flowers. You know, they'll, you know they brought in Bennett for that, uh, and, you know, which they traded for, which won't affect them. They get two third-round picks now for both these guys. It's just amazing the way this man does business. Sure. Um, you know, Trey Flowers is a great player. Uh, I think he's the far bigger loss. Trenton Brown had a nice run. Um, he's not a great tackle, and he got... It'll be interesting to say, I mean, because they said he was going to play left tackle, Colton Miller's going to go to right, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, for the rate, you know, they... they Trent Brown had a nice run. They go to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. He wasn't great for the Patriots. They have a hell of an offensive line coach. He walks, goes to the Raiders, who give an obscene amount of money. Uh, they're going to get a third-round compensatory pick out of that. Uh, obviously, they're going to get a third-round compensatory pick out of uh, Trey Flowers. You know, this is how they keep rolling. Now, I, I'm, I'm still a little surprised that they actually did let Trey Flowers go. Trent Brown was the one who was like a no-brainer because they do have Isaiah Wynn. Uh, and again, Trent Brown wasn't great. He was fine. They got a lot out of him. But yeah, I mean, this is how you keep yourself rolling in assets, and especially with a team like the Patriots who are not that good at the draft. But they, they, they you know, I think they hit maybe like – it feels like they hit on 50% of their big picks. But what do they do? They make sure they have a lot of them uh, and that they can do those things. Or they can do – something along the lines of trading one of those picks and getting a veteran they feel like can help them, those type of things. So, yeah, smart teams do smart things, and this is how they stay ahead of the game. Okay, Pete, I, I actually got another great one here for you. I, I, I had to check twice, and I had to check a second source. Devin Funches just got one year and $13 million from the Indianapolis Colts. So... You 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 laugh like this is surprising. Here's my thing. But who are you bidding against at thirteen million? But go ahead. They're bidding against the multiple years. Um, but here's the thing: Devin Funches is not a great receiver. Here's the thing: he's 24. People want to draft Terry McLaurin. Who will Devin he... Funches is one year and one month older than Terry McLaurin. Devin Funches has already been in the league four years. 
Like age matters. And here's the thing. I'm not going to get any more athletic, but whatever. I mean, I understand. He's a really nice athlete though. Like I'm not worried about his athleticism. I'm worried. I'm worried about him like figuring it out. The other part of this is I'm sorry. Cam Newton is not a very good passer and he's now going, he's now going to Andrew Luck. Like he's going to have a nice year. Uh, you know, it, it is he's still going to be the third fiddle. They're not going to get thirteen million dollars worth out of him. I think that's a given. Uh, but you know, and, and uh, we, we, I've talked about this using the salary cap as a weapon. This is an example of the Colts doing that. Um, let's put it this way: if he goes in there, he's basically the number three option. They've got T.Y. Hilton, they've got Eric Ebron, and he goes in there and he has like let's say fifty catches. For say like 700 yards and half a dozen touchdowns, they go to the playoffs. He has a nice year, and then somebody signs him off this for a stupid amount of money. They get a compensatory pick out of it, and they got the one year they wanted out of him, and, and potentially you know make a run of the Super Bowl. Like, don't get me wrong. It's on its face you can sit there and go, yeah, Devin Funches isn't worth 13 million, but for a team like the Colts who have stupid amount of cap money. Uh, real cap, not fake rollover cap. They have the ability to u- do this, club people over the head with it like this, grab a guy, uh, prevent him from signing a multiple-year deal elsewhere, and then they th- what they basically got was this dude on a franchise tag. Uh, and I, I have no doubt people are going to sit here and have a similar reaction, but I do understand the logic with it. Uh, and, and, you know, if he does take a big step forward, he could really – Turn and earn that big money thing, and it, you know it, it's not that he's going to get more athletic, but if he figures it out uh, and becomes a nice player out of this, he could roll into that second contract with a big, big payday. And obviously, this doesn't hurt him. Uh, that that allows him to make a ton of money and hopefully, you know, get better for his career. Just because Pete took this stance, I will say this. What were the feelings on Eric Ebron a calendar year ago? And you do look what he did in Indianapolis, what he was able to do with Andrew Luck. So there is the yin and the yang here for me. Um, uh, Pete, our buddy Chris Burke over at The Athletic, because uh, when I saw this tweet, I put out the big old, what? And his, is this in ruples or pesos or something as far as the $13 million? Guys, look, a lot of us do this, and we're all going to see things a little bit differently. Um, but the Bobby Hart one, though? I, I defy you. Defy me one of the guys who cover the league, cover the sport like we all do, who sat there and said, wow, okay, good for Bobby Hart, nice deal for the Bengals. No, no. There's one where nobody was in that genre on that. Um, now, we'll get to this here. Uh, Pete, obviously, you know, now this is a weird one. You know, um, Browns were going, we released Daniel Fells. Uh, I'm sorry. Damn it, for the last time, Darren Fells. Um, At least that won't be an issue anymore. He'll always be the playmaker to us, Pete. He'll always be the playmaker. It is looking to upgrade the position. Um, look, we do know, and everybody knows, is this maybe a sign that tight end at 17 is something they're very, very interested in, which brings in either of the Iowa guys? Sure. But uh, it's there's not much left there, Pete. So is it? I mean, it could be a sign that it's something they're very interested in the draft, and I would not put it past John Dorsey. Not in a second, but you know, with you know, with Jesse James moving on, that kind of, for me, the trying to really upgrade the position. And I know you agree. That, I mean, you were humming this song a lot. 
there's not much left there now if you're looking to upgrade it through free agency. Are you looking at Seth DeValve in a Cameron Brait role? David Njoku, O.J. Howard, or you're comfortable with both of them? But, I mean, you would have said we're comfortable with what we, in ha- we have in-house. You wouldn't have said we're looking to upgrade or a major upgrade. Yeah, this is fascinating on a number of levels. And the one you mentioned out of this is, what does this mean for Seth DeValve? Um, he's here. Like, you know, it's not like it's a question of you have to sign him. He's here. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. Uh, you know, do they then look at him uh, and say, look, you know, hopefully the injuries are behind you. We're going to give you every opportunity. He's a hell of an athlete. He can catch the football. When the ball goes to him, he makes things happen. That part's interesting because, you know, up until this point, it felt like, you know, maybe they they just don't believe in him. Um, uh, the other part of this is now, the, if you look at the free agent tight ends who are still available, it's guys uh, like... Deion Sims, meh. Tyler Eifert, I like him. I've written about how I'd like the Browns to sign him, but not as a count, guy you have to count on, but a guy, a guy you get a bonus for. So you're no, looking but at I mean, guy, he would be somebody you need insurance on anyway. Yes. Uh, and then you know you look at a guy like Jared Cook. He's had two great seasons, but he's 32, uh, and he's a pure receiving threat. Now that could fit in with and the And if idea. Jared Cook was so great, why is he always, every time you turn around, he's wearing a different uniform? Yeah, and and if you're saying that Njoku is going to be more of a blocker and that you know that weird, still weird moment from the combine, uh, then maybe a Jared Cook makes some sense from that standpoint. The guy who stands out to me, if they want to get a free agent, is Austin Safarian Jenkins, and Austin Safarian Jenkins is his 26. He's a big body. He he's has old, ability. Feels like an old 26, but he's yes. 26. Uh, and he's had. You know, off the field issues, uh, particularly with uh, alcohol and substance abuse. But I, I will say this though: the moment he showed up with the New York Jets, he uh, devoted himself he to it. yoga. Yeah, owned owned it, devoted himself to yoga. Like, got really close with the guy who was teaching him that. And since then, none of that has been an issue. Whether it was to stop with the New York Jets or it was his stop, you know, down in Jacksonville. And and it is a guy I I liked the possibility of signing last year, so maybe he's an option. But if not, the best guy left at that point is Darren Fells. So, <laughs> you know, is this a situation where, you know, the Browns don't go and get a tight end here, but they do want to upgrade the position, and now you're sitting in a situation where, you know, if Noah Fan is sitting there, do the Browns pull the trigger? If TJ Hawkinson is sitting there, do they pull the trigger? Like, uh, this becomes a real interesting conversation, and maybe it's just that, and maybe it's just, you know, prisoner of the moment type thing. But it, you know, certainly message that was consistently put out there in regards to Darren Fells. They're released because they want more out of that spot. If they don't sign somebody, you know, they and certainly they don't have to take it in the first round. This is a very nice tight end class, but you know, to me. But if you're saying significant, that almost hints at round one. But go ahead. Right, like. This tight end class for me is like early or late. You don't those mid round guys just don't do much for me. Jay Sternberg obviously didn't do very well in testing. Irv Smith is a D three guy to me. Not he's first he measured in really short, uh, really light, and then not that athletic. Uh, and his production wasn't that good. So if you're not getting 
a TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, and Noah Fant, if, again, if you're listening to Dorsey and he's true in what he means, he wants more run blocking, Noah Fant would make more sense. It'd be a hell of a lot of fun, by the way. Uh, then you're waiting for those guys on like day three, and it's guys like Foster Moreau, who I think Freddie Kitchens would adore because he's just a big piece of clay he can mold. Uh, or or they do both, and 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 they sign a guy like Austin Safarian Jenkins maybe, and then they do add a guy like Foster Moreau as sort of a pet project. But that I becomes don't see a, that I don't see that as a major upgrade though. No, and that's that's where again we we come back to you know, and you and I have gotten browbeaten over this by certain factions about the idea of how stupid it is to get another great tight end. Um, Freddie Kitchens loves the position, uh, and apparently. Uh, that's something that uh, Munkin loves too. So they may just simply value it. And, you know, it served Bill Belichick well. And it seems to be something that the Ravens are embracing, you know, to the point where they've got like 17 of them. Hell, they may sign Darren Fells. Um, that, <laughs> that it may be something where they say, look, this is how we want to build our offense. Noah Fant is effectively a wide receiver who's just enormous. And they say, let's do it this way. And that's genuinely very interesting to me. And this is where Pete's going to toot his own horn, guys, because if you remember last year, before we even knew who Freddie Kitchens was, Mike Izeki, Mike Izeki, Mike Izeki, Mike Izeki, was the guy Pete wanted in this fold. But no, they just create mismatched problems. And we've said this a number of times, as fun as David Ajoko is, imagine if you had another one. Um, there were some listener questions here. A lot of this was basic stuff we got through on Twitter, but here was a good one. Um, Dale Harrison, Dale is, uh, you know, Dale is a faithful listener of the show. Um, mid-level defensive line options, Christian Covington, Christian Covington, and here's one for me that rings true. And apparently his girlfriend was out there loving everything Browns fans were tweeting about, uh, Henry Anderson today. Um, Henry Anderson intrigues me, but go ahead, Pete, take this, and then we'll talk a little bit about Henry Anderson. Obviously, I got to see up close, you know, last year as well here playing, you know, locally here for the Jets. Uh, yeah, Christian Covington is very interesting. Uh, you know, he was a guy who came out of God. I was screw up this guy's college. Is he was was he at Rice? Uh, in any case, I'll find that as I'm talking about. Um, Covington broke his leg. I think his last year. Yeah, he was at Rice. Broke his leg in his last year at Rice, I believe. It was a fantastic prospect, was just crushing, and then he got hurt, and he fell, and, and Houston sort of scooped him up as a value play, and he's gotten better and better and better and become a really nice role player. You know, that's what you want from a Christian Covington. I think he's probably thinking he's more of a starter type. That's, you know, maybe a, maybe a little too much for me. But he's, you know, he is a talented player um, and, and certainly worth taking a look at in that standpoint. He's still only 26 years old. He's entered his second contract. Uh, he had a really nice year, year for the Houston Texans. The guy I'm really interested in who makes the most sense to me is Ronald Gunter or Rob, Rodney Gunter out of Arizona. And, and that's a matter of, A, he's a pretty good player. B, he's coming off his first contract. And C, and most importantly, he played for Steve Wilkes and played well for Steve Wilkes who is now here and this is something that just happens is these type of things you know a guy plays for a coach and then it's not coach- even like a jokingly thing with connecting the dots these things happen you know 65 70 percent of the time yeah adding a guy that you know knows the system and all that jazz so and he's still available to this point and maybe arizona would resign him 
But, you know, he may be looking at Arizona being like, I don't want to wait for this. And, like, if he liked Steve Wilkes, that may be a great opportunity for him. Um, you know, that's that's a nice setup. And, and certainly one where I, I, I don't, you know, I think he, it, him and Covington, I think, are on the same role, same, same boat where they're a nice spot starter type, but realistically you want them part of a rotation. And, and, and they definitely help you. But I don't know if you want them to be your dude that you're basically saying this is our guy. Yeah. Um, now for me, Henry Anderson. I think with Henry Anderson, I, I think his ideal fit is in a three-four. You know, obviously, you know, playing the outside technique. Um, and the, obviously, after last year, he's going to look to cash in. Um, so I, I don't know if I see him as a true, you know, almost like the same way I talk about Emmanuel Agba. It's nice that you can do both. Um, Emmanuel Agba is going to make $2 million this year. Henry Anderson ain't looking for that type of money in no way whatsoever. Would he be a great player to have here? Yes. You know, nickel, dime, can play inside, outside. It allows you more versatility with Agba, Miles Garrett, and everybody else to do things that you should want. Um, it would come down to price. And I, maybe there's some interest. Maybe he was hearing something. Maybe that's why his girlfriend's out there. Liking tweets from fans and, and and the possibility of the connection here, it, it could be something. But first and foremost, Henry Anderson is going to hold out looking for starting money, and I I don't know with a four three system if you're going to look at him that way where the money is going to you know you know entice him enough to come here. And yes, guys, Pete screwed up names. We always screw up names. We always screw up names. We screwed up names about five times this episode. So that's just the way it rolls around here. Um, you know, look, at we called Freddie Kitchens Todd for about three months. When, Who did I miss up this time? Uh, Rodney Gunther. And I think oh, Rodney he, Gunther. Yeah, yeah, all right. I think he called uh, – I think there was something with Olivier Vernon too as well. But hey, uh, but Vernon, uh, Vernon, something, whatever. The other thing, <laughs> the other thing that uh, works out, whether it's Henry Anderson or Rodney Gunther, is both guys, again – if he means what he says, which is, you know, he talked about one and more length on the defensive line, Henry Anderson and Rodney Gunter are both guys that offer a ton of length. Now, at the same time, they say they want a ton of length and they trade for 6'2 and change uh, Olivier Vernon. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see. But, yeah, I, I know Henry Anderson is very popular uh, for guys like Jake Burns and Brendan Leister, and those guys are, are really into him. Uh, and I, I have no problem with it. I think he's a good player. I, I Again, I, I, I have similar concerns you do in terms of if he's you – know, I think he's a great 3-4 end. Is he really a good 4-3, you know, that under tackle, that three technique? He may be. Uh, but, again, I think Gunter's the one where – it, it, it fits. He's played for Wilkes. He knows – Wilkes knows what he can do has a, a specific role for him. So for that, that's the one I, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at. But, you know, if it's if it's Henry Anderson, he's a, he's a, a very good player. So neither one's bad. Yeah, it would just be a thing of, you know, finding the right fit. And um, and as far as you know, what's got annotated at this point, um, this is always the way it starts. The major money and, you know, a bunch of the big name guys, it's just right out of the box. And that's always the best part about you know the legal tampering period, because uh, you know obviously uh, you know Brown went to the Raiders. I believe it was twelve thirteen. There is no way a sixty eight and a half million dollar deal 
was negotiated in 13 minutes. So, I mean, it's always the the joy and the, and the laugh. And this is where the NFL kind of looks stupid sometimes because, you know, they try to stick to these standards and these labels of what they put on things. But it's a stinking joke, and we all know it. Uh, so, but but there's that. And look, you know, it, it, but here's the thing, guys. What, how much it really needs to be addressed right here, right now for the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, you need help, you know, with a defensive tackle. You've now got you've now got your book in defensive ends. Um, we've said many a times. Look, Christian Kirksey. Whether you question who he is, the player, he's here. The money's not got him going anywhere. Joe Schobert's here. You've got Denzel Ward. You've got a couple of corners on the other side of him who started a lot of games last year. Um, you're pretty confident in your safety tandem in Randall and Peppers. Your offensive line. You are right now minimum six deep in house. Uh, your running back group, uh, Duke Johnson, is still here. You're not hearing anything about anything related to Duke Johnson, trade-wise, whatever. Nick Chubb is here. Uh, obviously, Kareem Hunt is here. Um, the wide receiver group, you're going to wait to hear on Rashard Higgins. Uh, you know, Paraman's a name in the wind, whether or not. But other than that, I mean, there's nowhere near the amount of holes and question marks, Pete, that there were 365 days ago at this same point in time. True, and... You know, one of the things that, you know, John Dorsey has done since he's been here is he's done everything in his power to make it so the Browns don't have to operate out of need. Um, he did it last year. You That's know, where he got a Carlos Hyde. Right. Fine. Well, I mean, he's like fine, Baker, Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was the obvious need, but they, you know, theoretically they addressed the need. By the way, if somebody wants to sign Tyrod Taylor to – Five years, seventy-five million. I think they would be getting an outstanding quarterback. But enjoy that offense. Getting with it. Um, you know, even when, with Denzel Ward, the Browns signed three cornerbacks in free agency. You know, Denzel Ward was obviously a, a very good pick and it has been a very good player. But it's not like they had to pick him. You know, and, and a lot of people assumed they were going to take Bradley Chubb. That's how well you know he covered himself for need. And I, and I fully expect that's going to be the same approach here. Uh, you know, he wants to always put himself, and this is what big boy franchises do, or buddy boy franchises, whatever, is they put themselves in a position where they go in the draft and they don't have to get need players and sacrifice value. Certainly, the, the Browns are going to go into this draft and have certain things they want to accomplish, but they don't need to put themselves in a position where 17 has to be a or B, they want to put themselves in a position where they can get a great player at seventeen, uh, and and hopefully as they're going, they can also, you know, hit needs as well. But they don't want to be in a position where they're ever going. Oh man, Ed Oliver's off the board. I guess I have to take a defensive tackle. Yep, that's just not how it works. No, and here this is one name that's going to become popular because it looks like Pete, um, you know, with the New York Jets, his days there are over. Uh, where were you on Deron Lee? Uh, you know, during the draft cycle, uh, it looks like he's going to be a name that's going to become available, and my guess would be, I don't know, probably a day three pick because when you say you're basically giving up on a guy who you drafted, I believe it was twentieth overall, you know, you're not going to get much back. Where were you on Deron Lee a few years ago, Pete? Uh, I mean, I think he's a. He's a it fine was player. weird because he started off this year strong, and I don't know what happened, but. It, it, it died down it, it died down quickly people not, here uh, people here will say a lot of it was Bowles and Bowles was asking him to do things he wasn't capable of but go ahead 
but it's not he didn't have a bad year. I mean no, everything everything with Darren Lee was I always got the sense it was away from the football field. Well, they that's may, I mean when you close out the season with a four game suspension from weeks uh you know 14, 15, 16 and 17, yeah, that's not really helping things. Right. I mean, that's that's certainly part of it, but I I always got the sense it was never a question of ability so much uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you take a, a, a linebacker in the first round, hintity hint, hint, uh, and, and they aren't, you know, super powered, they aren't super players, you know, pretty quickly, it, it, it can feel like you, you know, you didn't get a lot of things, but no, I mean, Darren Lee obviously had the, the four games was for substance abuse. Um, he's also been fined a ton horse collar tackle, roughing the passer, excessive face mask, roughing the passer, late hit. Those are four of those are from 2017, one of those is from 2018. Uh, certainly the Browns should be, you know, inquiring, uh, but you know, what is that really worth? Is this a guy where you say, you know, you try to move a guy like Emmanuel Ogba for him or you try to move a guy like Duke Johnson for him? Or maybe you just say here's a pick and, and we'll take him. Because uh, we're because we're not going to keep them all, right? Um, yeah, he's interesting, but but I think so much of this has less to do with Darren Lee, the football player, and 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 Darren Lee, the person. But when you have John Dorsey, you know the person may be about fifteenth on his list, and he may just not care. But uh, you know, if you if you're, you if you want to try to get him and try to get somebody who's not going to cost much in terms of money, that doesn't necessarily need to start. Uh, they can be more of a role player while you still have Chris Kirksey. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you try to figure out if he can be a will linebacker of the future. But, you know, we'll see. And, well, here's the thing. The, the with Lee, um, you know, if you if, if the way this is going to work out is it, he will be humbled. And what I can tell you from, you know, seeing him here with the Jets, guy can move. He can run. There is no doubt about that. Um his Twitter game, his Twitter gets him in a lot of trouble. His mom, I physically watched her threaten Jets fans over Jets fans bagging on him. So this is the type of, it's kind of a little bit similar to the whole Eli Apple situation. Very similar in some of those respects where, you know, the guy and his mom and it leads to some issues, you know, whatever. But, you know, could get him at a real discounted rate. Simple, uh, very similar to how Eli Apple ended up uh, at, with the Saints and we're just going to close with this before we put a bow on this, Pete. Unless something Browns broke, Pete. I mean, we de- went damn near an hour. Did nothing, right? Nothing for us? No. Uh, and, and just to clarify, if the Browns were to trade for uh, Darren Lee, which may be the reason he they don't get him, he would only cost $1.8 million this year, and then he's on that, you know, presumably a team would decline his option. You know, if there's a playoff team who's tight against the cap or – you know, the team that immediately stands out with Darren Lee is Pittsburgh. Um, they don't have a lot of money, but they desperately need linebacker help. But, yeah, it, it, if you are looking at this as a bronze fan, you're going, yeah, I'd like Darren Lee. It is a it is basically a one-year, $1.8 million, uh, or $3.2 million, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, not a very expensive deal, but it is really a one-year deal because you're probably not going to pick up what it would amount to be about a ten year or ten million dollar fifth, fifth year option. Year option. Yep. Um, so, 
it may not be for the Browns, but I, I would keep an eye out on the Steelers for that one. Uh, so yeah, and nothing, nothing came out. I, I think the big takeaway from today is the Browns didn't get better necessarily. They also didn't get worse by paying any stupid contracts, and the rest of the division did get worse, either by losing players. Uh, the Ravens are going to lose Terrell Suggs to retirement in Arizona. Uh, already lost Weddle. Already lost Weddle. Or may end up losing C.J. Mosley. The Steelers lost uh, Jesse James. They had already lost um, Marcus Gilbert. Antonio they had Brown. already lost Antonio Brown. The Bengals lost by signing Bobby Hart. And I've got uh, this for you here. And Now, guys, whenever I want anything Bengals, um, and he's been on the show before, and he actually now is one of the new duo hosting Locked On uh, Bengals, Joe Goodberry. One of his tweets from a couple of minutes ago. According to PFF, of the 85 <laughs> offensive tackles that took 20% of the team's snaps, Bobby Hart graded out as the 73rd best. 73rd out of 85, three years, $21 million. Go ahead, Cincinnati Bengals. Rock on. Yeah, so everybody else in this division got worse. Meanwhile, you know, whether you're sitting there going, man, I wish the Browns got better today, do add in Olivier Vernon. Um, you do have that. And more importantly, the Browns didn't do anything like and sign one still, of these albatross much, contracts. And even as much as we're against it, somehow, some way, Kareem Hunt could be a player here. So these are things they've done before this first day of free agency. So they're... If you want, you know, we're not going to deny that Kareem Hunt's a good football player. Talent has been brought into this building to this point. And apparently the Jets are close to signing Josh Bellamy as another receiver uh, to, to that group. So that's, you know, another potential option off the board. Not that I had any interest in Josh Bellamy, but nevertheless, another free agent off the board. Uh, but yeah, what, what, where I always thought the Browns were better off in this free agency period was waiting for day two and day three, uh, getting those guys who, you know, when, when the market sort of corrects itself and there, there is an opportunity to get players at at least more reasonable costs that they can still address. You know, it's not the big sexy name. Um it's it's not you know a big time player like you know like Malik Jackson or one of those. But if they do get a Rodney Gunter, if they do get a Henry Anderson, if they do get a John Brown or one of those, they're probably not going to be paying the obscene amount of overhead just for being a free agent uh, that a lot of these other teams are paying. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go to the mall the first day something comes out and pay full price when you can go back a week later and you're going to pay a little bit discount. And this may be the situation the Browns are in right now, guys. So patience. Have some patience here. Um, and the other thing is, and I put out this tweet, I'm sure they put out a couple of offers that they think are truly fair. They have players and agents hoping for more money. They also have players and agents trying to truly understand, You know, are the Browns truly this option? You know, I mean, last year, as great as it was, and, and we feel, everybody who listens to the show, Pete and I, do we feel a change has evolved here? We do. But you still got to remember that, you know, there's still 31 other NFL teams and there's still an entire country that say, well, it's the Cleveland Browns. So there's some of that that goes into this. And these guys, you know, have to decide whether or not they're going to buy and totally believe that, 
you know, and the, the culture change, which everybody loves to use that term, has it truly changed? Does this franchise believe they're winners now? And you know, that's what some of these guys are thinking about. That's what some of these guys are, you know, debating here. So you have to look at it from that point. Um, guys, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, uh, Locked on NFL Net, all the NFL shows, all the NFL hosts, everything from all of us is funneled to those accounts. Um, so go ahead, make sure uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, Locked on NFL Net, you're following over there. Pete Smith, uh, read all the work over at NFL Spin Zone. Um, follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore um, the show at Locked On Browns uh, on the tw- on Twitter. Always do me a favor and follow over there. Uh, keep the interaction coming. Me personally at Jeff L- uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Always keep those coming. The interaction, everything you guys are help make this show what it is. We've had a monster week this thus far with shows and coverage. Uh, hopefully tomorrow night we can get to some more stuff that will be Browns related. Um, but you know we'll still have some more things to talk about as we get through this second day of free agency. Still a ton of names and a ton of cash to be spent. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.